Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance. Today is episode 15, I believe. Yeah, episode 15. Today is April 6th, 2020. It is Monday, and we got some fun topics today. Um, number one, market update. Uh, big day in the stock market. I'm recording this uh, just after the markets have closed, so... Um, my update today is actually on how it performed. So all of the major indexes in the U.S., the S&P, the Dow, uh, and the New York Stock Exchange were all up over 7% today, uh, which was a huge increase to start off the week. And honestly, slightly surprising given the um, news over the weekend of the uh, grim situation we're facing with the coronavirus. Uh, I honestly didn't think we were going to see a huge jump this morning, but the market thought otherwise. So with all the turmoil, like I've said before, um, it's back and forth right now. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of bad in the stock market. And again, I think with the news of how well it did today, it just, it just goes to show um, from the rant I, I posted yesterday on Sunday that uh, it's a great time to you know play in the stock market. I think right now could not be a better time to not necessarily put money in, but um, you can use my stock tracker and you know creating things on your own to test some theories you have and to see what works and what doesn't. And right now, you know, you can you pretend like you're investing and um, you know keep track of the strategies that you want to potentially use and see how they do. Uh, this couldn't come at a better time. So I'm still pushing people to take advantage of that right now. Um, for my company watch today, honestly, I have three companies that have, I have mentioned in the last week that I think are worth taking a look at. Right now, it's really caught my eyes, Ford and GM. Uh, I kind of went in a rabbit down a rabbit hole this weekend looking into companies that uh, kind of like built, building out a, a sheet this weekend that... Um, isolates a lot of high-paying dividend stocks. Just something I've been kind of interested in and have been researching lately. And Ford and GM are both um, highly, highly um, over-yielded right now, which by saying over-yielded, I just mean their dividend yields yields are higher than normal because of how much their stock has dropped to a point where it seems very advantageous. For example, Ford, uh, their dividend yield right now is extremely high at 13.2 and GM's is over 2%. So um, something to keep an eye on. Uh, it's kind of unclear at this point whether they will make any dividend payment changes given the situation with them. You know, all of their automotive manufacturing facilities are shut down because of the coronavirus. So they may have to pull back on dividends. You never know. But they That will be decided. I haven't seen anything in the news yet that would say the otherwise. So something to keep an eye on, but could be amazing buying opportunities. I mean, those kind of companies for GM that are like older school companies that have been around and pay dividends are the kind of companies you could always throw in your portfolio to really diversify yourself um, and really could be long-term wealth building tools for you and your family, uh, especially with dividends. You know, if they're paying out dividends um, and they're cheap right now, could be great things to potentially add to your portfolio. Uh, and the last one is American Airlines. I have mentioned this. I mean, they're going now into record lows. 
for their stock price um, to the point I was actually talking to my dad today about this. I, I, they're getting so cheap with these airlines that I don't know when the, the floor will we'll find the floor or when we'll find the bottom, but um, they're going to be incredible bargains for anyone that wants to get in the stock market to buy. Um, and honestly, what's going to lead the charge is on Wednesday this week. And, uh, I will add that to maybe the podcast on Thursday. We'll see how things go this week, um, to break down Delta's earning announcement. So they're the first major airlines that I've been following that will report Q1 earnings on Wednesday. Um, that will be a big indication of how bad Q1 was for the airlines, as well as early indications of what Q2 could be. So, um, a big one to watch out for. Yeah, I'm I'm keeping an eye on all major airlines in the United States. I think there's going to be amazing buying opportunities, and there already are. To be honest, they're so cheap. When this is over, and it will be over at some point, um, those stocks will bounce back. And so, another another one that you kind of put into the portfolio sooner than later, and um, could build extreme wealth over time. And a lot of those pay out dividends as well. So, awesome pickups. All right. Well, that's kind of the summary of the market, how it performed today and the companies I'm keeping an eye on. Today's concept of the day and what we're going to kind of break down is the oil market, just general concept, high level oil market. Uh, It's something that, to be honest, before I really dove into this, I always knew high level how things worked. Um, One of my first uh, companies I worked for was heavily tied to the oil market and their success. So, I really dove in here and uh, yeah, it's going to break it down for you. So I think oil prices in general have been in the news a lot lately. Um, And I I think the best way to start off is just kind of explaining who controls the oil market and really what the oil market is, right? So in its simplest terms, um, the oil market and the price of oil you see is a physical commodity. So it's something that's traded all the time and there's um, price movement on a physical good. So instead of like a company who their valuation is based off of selling something or a service that's physical, this is truly a price tied to physical barrel of oil as it's coming out of places all over the world. So in the, in the late nineties, there were really a few major players in um, supplying oil. So the countries that are, actually pulling it out of the ground and producing it. Um, we're not making it, but refining it, right? That's a, a pulling oil out that's going to be able to be refined in the U.S. for gasoline and all other, and plastics and other purposes. And so really the major players have always been the U.S., Russia, and another major player, and the biggest really is OPEC. Um, and what's, what is OPEC? What's is that a country? No. It, OPEC is a... For, uh, well, it's truly what they are. They're a cartel. So they're a group of countries that come together. They basically created like, I call it like an old boys club, right? So these guys are countries that all produce oil. They decided to all come together to group their supply and thus control the supply and demand, right? So they work together to control the price in the market. And honestly, they do some things that... I think a lot of people think, and a lot of governments honestly think, are shitty and things they really shouldn't do as far as like holding on to supply to drive the the price up in certain times of angst around the world. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what they are. So they're but they they um, 
over history have always controlled 60% to 70% of the total oil market supply. So obviously they have a huge driving force behind the supply, um, the supply part of the supply and demand equation, right? So who is OPEC? So uh, in um, 1961, the first country joined OPEC, that was Qatar. A year later, Indonesia uh, and Libya jumped on. Then in 1967, the United Arab Emirates. In 1969, Algeria, 71, Nigeria joined. In 1973, Ecuador jumped in. 1975, Gabon. Gabon? I think it's Gabon. I honestly have never heard of that country before. And 2007, so a big jump between 1975 and 2007 with no new countries. In 2007, Angola joined. And then in 2017, so 10 years later, uh, Equatorial Guinea uh, in 2018, the Congo joined, another African country. Um, however, the, one of the first com- countries to join Qatar, in Jan- as of January 1st, 2019, um, they terminated their membership with OPEC. And then Indonesia suspended their membership on November 30th uh, of 2016. So as of the end of 2019, the organization now consists of... What is that? 14 countries? One, two, three. Yeah, 14 countries. Um, That makes up a vast amount of the oil supply, right? So that's kind of what OPEC is. They're a big player in the market. The U.S. is using oil fields to pull our own supply, as well as um, newer technologies called fracking, which I'm not really going to get into. You can Google what fracking is, but it's another way to get oil. Uh, And then Russia is another huge player in the oil market. So Great. That's what it kind of is at a high level. I mean, it's literally people buying physical oil. And just like when we talked about how stock prices go up and down, it's the same with oil as the supply goes way up. Um, Demand over time changes, but demand for oil, if you think about globally, stays somewhat consistent, right? There's going to be seasonality, um, but people are always using oil. And depending on um, population densities and different things going on around the world, demand can move, and it, it, it does move, right? Things are always changing. But in this equation, really, demand is somewhat consistent. And the bigger player around the world is how much oil is available. And that's really driving the price. So, for example, if um, OPEC decides to pump 10 million barrels a day and that's probably that's a lot right it's actually a shit ton of oil a day um even regards what they normally do they're going to pump the market with a ton of supply and drive the price down they could also go the other way where they hold on to their supply there's not enough in the world market and drives the price up they have done both um and it really depends on their goal right there's been times where the markets have been great there's a lot of competition coming in to try to be new oil producers and they've done a lot to hold on to theirs and drive the price down to a point where it's so cheap because there's not there's too much oil i guess it's the other way they've produced more um to try to push the price down um where it's also it's honestly taking a lot of companies out of business and that's actually what we're seeing right now right with the price of oil being so incredibly low a lot of companies are losing money or not making any money and they're going to file for bankruptcy this this happened uh this happened about 10 years ago too maybe a little later than that um they've kind of fluctuated and done these things in the past to kind of control the market. And that's why they're a cartel, right? It's it's not illegal, but a lot of countries frown upon it because they they kind of control the price. And now that the U.S. has been doing so much fracking, and Russia has also added a lot, 
as far as supply. They've been able to kind of counteract some of that, but Russia's still got a stronghold on most of this. So that's what it is. Um, so cool. It's a commodity. People talk about it a lot. Why is it something I would want to invest in, right? As someone like you who's watching this or listening to the podcast, um, what does it do? So really, oil moves, like I said, dependent on the supply and demand of oil, and just oil. So by investing in oil, number one, it's a diversification lever for your portfolio, right? It's it's going to basically hedge you against inflation. So a lot of the things that are moving in the regular stock market, um, those moving levers are not going to affect oil in the same way, right? So whatever's going on over here in left field in the oil world is not going to be moving up or down the same way that it might be for all, most U.S. stocks, okay? So it's a good way to think about it. It's another lever you can pull to make your portfolio even that much more diverse. It's going to have its own set of risks and opportunities, but it's another way to really break out your portfolio to make it more diverse. So the next thing I'll go into, and really this is the last thing and really the most important for you trying to learn how to invest in the oil market is obviously the ways to invest. So cool, Shane, sounds awesome. Something I want to do. How do I invest? There are really four main ways that you can invest in the stock market. Um, or Sorry, not the stock market, the oil market. The first uh, being investing in physical barrels of oil. So there are people and obviously a lot of companies that are buying physical barrels of oil. There Now, there are people who are doing that. Um, to be honest, I didn't even go into the details in my research to figure out how people are doing this. I, I assumed from what I on the surface read, you know, this is, this is where a lot of major companies or people with a ton of cash would do this, but you are physically buying barrels. So if we, if you decided to buy, say a thousand barrels from Saudi Arabia, they're going to have to ship them over. You're going to pay at some point to store them, you know, insurance liabilities on the physical barrels. You got to pay for everything as if, you know, it's your own, right? You're buying the barrel. So then you bought it for X price. And then depending on what the market does, that's going to determine how much you can sell it for. So just right off the gate, that's a way um, to get in, but it's very expensive. Obviously, it's it's got a huge barrier to entry. Like, not everyone's going to be able to just buy barrels of oil from overseas, or even in the U.S. for that matter, and hold on to them and follow all the rules to actually make money off of them. So, not something that any of us probably watching this are really going to be heavily doing in our lifetime, but it is a possibility someday. Um, another, the second one on my list is buying oil futures contracts. So futures in general are a concept that I have on my list of future podcasts that I I'm going to dive into and explain to all of you, but I'm going to try to break it down really simply. This is a strategy that I would only suggest, honestly, really experienced people who have been in the market for a while and really understand what they're doing, um, with futures to participate in. I'm going to be honest with you. I I know at a high level how those work. I've never put money into futures. It's something I want, I want to learn more about and uh, do in the future. Funny, funny. future, futures. Um, but I never have done that. And it's a little complicated. So just to really make it simple and to break it down, what that means is you're buying a contract today to buy a certain amount of barrels in the future. So you would 
there would be a price in the futures market, which is a little bit different than the stock market. You're saying, I think it's worth $10 today. And I am, let's see, $10 today. So $10 today. Um, and really, what you're betting on is that the, the market's going to go up, right? So uh, if you buy a certain amount of contracts for futures now and the market does go up. So say you buy a futures contract um, for what I say, $10. And when the contract expires, which means you buy like a time, you buy like a length of time that you want to hold on to the contract. And so what you're betting is that the price is going to go up. If, if it does go up, you make money. Uh, if it goes down, the person who sold you the contract makes money and you lose money. So it is very volatile. Um, it really allows investors to leverage oil contracts without purchasing the actual barrels of oil. So it's kind of like this happy medium between having the, not having the physical barrel, barrels, but also not getting as much of the upside and not as much as the risk. Um, that's at a high level the best way to explain futures. It is a little confusing because it's a really it's honestly a totally different concept of trading. So I just wanted to mention that that is a possibility, but really not something that I'm going to suggest any of you guys um, jump into yet, unless you're watching this and you are an experienced investor and um, you know a little more about futures than I do. So there you go. Now the last two and really the bread and butter for anyone who is a decent, decently rounded investor or someone new is buying um, what's called ETFs. So uh, ETFs are essentially, it's it's one stock ticker that you can buy on any of the normal exchanges through any of your normal brokerage accounts. But what it allows you to do is one ETF is, is made up of a variety of companies. So you can buy like an oil ETF that is made up of different companies that are working in the oil industry per se. Um, I'm not going to share any of the oil ETFs that I would suggest necessarily. I don't feel like I've done enough due diligence to really give you guys any major suggestions. Um, but I would, I would just recommend Googling oil ETFs. You can get all kinds of lists of them. And really, you can go through and see what types of strategies those ETFs um, hold, what companies they're involved in, and that'll help. But what it, what it really allows you to do is um, put a set amount of money into an ETF that um, allows you to have some of the risk and upside uh, that will reflect in the oil market. So for example, USO is a really popular oil ETF. Um, and it follows what's called the West Intermediate Crude Oil Futures, and it, it's traded on a daily basis. So that is following a oil, essentially like an oil reserve um, out of West Texas, and that is always correlated really closely. And honestly, one of the closest correlations from an ETF standpoint um, to the oil prices, whether that's up or down. So you could just buy USO. Instead of in, you know, instead of buying Apple, you could buy USO ETF, and what that's going to do is not it's not a perfect science, and it's not one to one as far as the movements in the oil market, but it can get you closer. Uh, the only thing I'll warn you on something like USO, there is a downside to ETFs, um, especially ETFs that are tied to futures. So ETFs can be made up. Well, I can do a whole different podcast on ETFs. It's actually a really good concept for a lot of you newer folks that are hopping. Um, into investing. Something like 
oil ETFs though, what you want to be a little bit careful on is like I said before, these future contracts, they're trading within the oil ETF. So if you buy one share of this oil ETF, what you're actually buying is a combination of oil futures that's traded daily. And daily daily futures contracts are usually a lot cheaper than futures contracts further out. And so what's happening is you're long story short, you're really you're potentially going to lose money over the long term because there's a lot of fees that go into selling those futures contracts. And so oil ETFs are okay. They they definitely can give you some leverage um, as far as wanting to show the, the risk and reward of what the oil market is doing. Um, but definitely do your research. You want to make sure you're, you're kind of investing in ETFs that align with your strategy. So I would just say be careful. But that is an easy way and honestly probably one of the more inexpensive in, 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 inexpensive blah, 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 inexpensive ways to get yourself into the oil market. Uh, and the last one, and this one's probably going to make the most sense for the most people, uh, and this one really can pretty much get you correlated as close as it can come um, without really getting into ETFs or futures or buying physical barrels. But you can really, if you want to, if you want to um, be involved in the oil market, you can also just uh, invest in companies that are directly correlated. And when I say directly correlated, I really mean companies that are either their business day in and day out is exploring for new oil, producing oil, transporting, refining, or even selling crude oil. So there's a ton of companies out there. Um, I can send, I can add a link in here. Um, the Motley Fool did a really good overview of just uh, some of these, op- honestly, like these options that you have um, and what companies they would suggest they were going to look at. I mean, any company that's directly involved in the oil market, you know, BP, Phillips 66, Shell, those are like some major ones. Those are great ways to also get like something correlated in your portfolio to the overall oil market. When oil prices are shooting up, those companies do really well. And when they're really down, they hurt. So it's another way, another inexpensive and a little bit safer, honestly, way to do that. Um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the bread and butter. There's a ton of companies, and I don't, I'm not involved in any of them today. But as far as exploring um, and transporting uh, crude oil, there's a ton of other companies too that you probably haven't heard of. But it's kind of a fun rabbit hole to go into uh, and research for yourself. So, all in all, I hope what you got away from this podcast and or video today on on uh, all the social platforms is there's a lot of ways to get involved in the oil market. I think. Sometimes oil prices become kind of a buzzword that we hear a lot about in the news if you pay attention. And uh, I just wanted to kind of jump in and explain to you guys how it works, different things that you can do to add oil, the oil market to your own portfolio. And yeah, I hope that helps. So uh, that's the oil market. That's kind of like oil market 101. Like I said, I think these first few rounds of podcasts that I'm doing over the next couple of weeks, I really want to get into a lot of these more like what I would call 101 type things that are a little more um, surface level. And I think if I get good feedback on any of these in particular, I'd love to dive in deeper and answer any questions and try to um, help people understand some of these concepts even deeper. So Again, just to uh, summarize for Monday here, the markets were hot, all up over 7% today, which, uh, you know, over the last month or so, this has kind of been the news. It's been not so great news with the coronavirus. We see dips, and then it comes back with great buying opportunities. So 
all in all, what that means is, you know, people are making money in the stock market. They're losing a ton of money. But on these green days, people, you know, can either bounce back or there must be people that are buying on the down and and uh, making some money. So it's an interesting time out there. I hope all of you are staying safe and um, I'll keep bringing these to you every day. So um, like I said yesterday, I'm going to try to do these um, consistently every day. Um, not 100%, but on the books about to have my first guest tomorrow, uh, which is really exciting for me. Um, as I get this kind of off the ground, I think these individual podcasts of me talking, I hope it helps a lot of you and hope you enjoy it. But just from, you know, knowing the market that this falls into with podcasts and YouTube, uh, I think people really enjoy the interaction of more than one person. So I'm really excited. I have a few people in the pipeline that I'm going to get on uh, Simply Finance here shortly. Um, That's all I'm going to say. I'll surprise you tomorrow. And um, that'll be the first real interview um, one-to-one that we're going to have on the podcast. So I'm very, very excited for that. Uh, It's a good friend of mine uh, for many years, um, and he's just getting started in the stock market. I'll tell you that. So it should be a fun conversation uh, for anyone else to listen along to who is new and wants to figure out kind of where they can start. So I'm really excited. I hope all of you are staying safe. Um, Enjoy another week of self-quarantining and use it to your best of your ability. Um, I know a lot of friends and family I've been talking to over the last couple of days are really using this time to test some of these theories they have. Not necessarily putting money in the market, but at least testing it out and seeing if they would have put money in, what that does, and learning from it. Um, we're all stuck at home. I think everyone's got extra time. So again, I know I, I said this yesterday on the podcast, but um, really would love to see what people can do with all this time. So anyway, I am Shane, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in today. and. I will see you guys soon. Oh, hey there, everybody. Not quite done yet. Just wanted to add a little ending to today's episode. Uh, If you look in the show notes... Don't forget, there's a few links there. The first one being a link to uh, my stock market rebound tracker. This is essentially a free Google Sheet tool for any of you to use and share with your friends um, that just basically maps out the stocks that I am keeping an eye on, uh, potentially looking to invest in, and really just wanting to keep on the radar. So definitely check that out. And then if you are new to investing and really want to try it for yourself, uh, I would suggest using the second link in the show notes, which is basically a link to Robinhood, which is the platform I use for all of my investments. You get free trading, no commission fees whatsoever. And by the way, Robinhood is not a sponsor of the podcast, Um, but you will be able to get a free stock uh, by signing up using my link. So get after it. Try out some investing. Uh, Thanks again for listening. And most importantly, stay positive. Have a good day. And I will talk to you guys soon. Goodbye.